Hi guys and welcome to Searching for Better's 14th episode. I'm always excited to bring you episodes but this episode is extremely special to me and I feel like it's going to be a fantastic episode to listen to especially given the person that we have on it. So I don't want to go into too much detail because it's all in the episode and it's a really big great episode full of amazing and eye-opening content but the guest today is one of my best friends Alana who was diagnosed with breast cancer mid last year end of June and this goes through all the challenges that she's been through and her mindset and everything that all the advice that she's been given and the advice that she wants to give to people who are in similar situations but regardless of whether you are in a similar situation know someone who is or even just going through a tough challenge, I feel like her advice could really apply to anybody. She's got a really fantastic mindset for someone who is going through everything that she's going through. She's still kicking goals. She's still doing amazing things for herself. And I'm so honored to be able to have her on this podcast and to be able to call her my best friend. So I'm really excited. I hope you enjoy this content. I hope it resonates with you. And thank you so much to Alana for answering all my questions and being on here. I really think that this episode is really eye-opening and honestly, she's just an amazing person to speak to. So enjoy. Hi there and welcome to Searching for Better. I'm Julia and I'm the blogger behind searchingforbetter.net, which is now the podcast. Searching for Better is all about exploring ideas on how to find our path in life and to live it wholeheartedly. So welcome to our show and I really, really hope you enjoy it. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here today because this is the first time that I've had someone else on. I'm really excited because it's one of my best friends, Alana, and she's got a really great story and some great stuff to say today. So I'm just going to get straight into it because she's sitting here. Um, but uh, what we're going to be covering today is going through um, Alana's experience. She was diagnosed with breast cancer um, mid last year, and we're just going to go through everything that she's been through and the advice that she has to give and obviously how this has affected her life. So let's get started. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. So first to give everyone a bit of background, um, let's go through your story, your diagnosis, like what's happened there. Okay. So right. as Julia said, um, I'm Alana. Um, in June 2019, on the 26th, I was diagnosed with stage 2B breast cancer. Basically, um, <clears throat> I found a lump in 2018 um, at the end of the year and I went to a doctor and he basically told me it was fat. So I was kind of not concerned and went about my business and the lump kind of got bigger between like a six or seven month span and it just prompted me to have a second look. I was actually newly married and going on my honeymoon and thought I'd just better have a look at it because it's starting to get quite painful. And... Bless you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I think a couple of days before I was diagnosed, so the Friday before that week, I went for my ultrasound. And then I kind of told them that this was urgent because I was going away on the following Friday and I needed to get the results pretty quickly. So they kind of rushed it, which was really good. Um, so literally on the Monday, they said that like it was really full on because my GP kind of told me that I had breast cancer given the results from my 
ultrasound. Oh, so the GP told you before you <clears throat> saw the oncologist? I felt like, yes, because she oh, was really like worried. She was typing, like typing away, soldering to get this, the top surgeon. Her name's Jane O'Brien. Oh. She's amazing, who is my surgeon now. Um, and how she was speaking to me, I walked out of there like, oh, fuck, I've got breast cancer. Yeah. Um, so we ended up, she ended up setting me up with um, my surgeon and getting a biopsy organised for the next day. Um, and I remember coming home and saying to my mum, like, I was crying. I, I've got yeah, breast cancer. Yeah. And it was kind of like, you're stupid, you know, it's not. Usually, no one's ever going to turn around and no. be like, yeah, you do. Yeah. So uh, the next day, my sisters and I went to get the biopsy and another ultrasound. And in those ultrasounds, there was a secondary lump found on my breast. And then they found another one on my right breast as well. Um, and yeah, it was just really odd because my sister is a nurse and she was with me and she'd asked, you know, why there was a blood vessel or something going through the tumour. And I kind of knew then yeah. that it was cancer because yeah. I think even she went to home and told my mum, like, don't be surprised. But anyway. Yeah, because I remember she said she saw, she because she had a scan done through, uh, too, didn't she? Yeah. She said she compared the two and she could see, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so then, yeah, on the Wednesday I came in to my doctor's office and it was kind of like, you know, the, the two tumours on my left breast were cancerous, obviously. Yeah. The one on my right was benign. Um, we, it was kind of like we don't know anything until we get further tests. Yeah. But this is the outcome. Yeah. And it was crazy because it just happened so, like, everything was kind of bang on after that. I had scans the next day to see if it was anywhere else. It wasn't. That's great. I yeah. had better information after that day as well. So they pretty much said what kind of ca cancer it was and what they were going to do. And um, I opted to have my breasts removed straight away. And it's different for every case because obviously I've been able to speak to all different types of women. Um, for me, it was my personal choice only because I had two tumours in my breast yeah. and one on the other. Yeah. Th there was literally no point of me keeping my breasts. Yeah. yeah like they're running that risk as opposed to... 100%. Yeah. And, you know, people, again, personal preference, but people normally get cancer in one breast and then it comes back in a couple of years later in the other. And I just was never going to... I mean, I'm 27... I didn't like my breasts to begin with, like whatever, yeah, get rid yeah. of them. Yeah. I'll start again. Yeah. It is what it is. And that's literally what happened. So with my cancer, there was always, a, there was a chance that I didn't have to do chemo. Yeah. And, um, you know, because it was, they found it in two out of 22 lymph nodes and I had a grade three tumor. So that's pretty aggressive. They opted to, because I was young, let's just give you chemo, the hardcore chemotherapy to begin with. And then I had 12 rounds back to back of um, Taxol, it's called, which is a low dosage chemo. And here I am today. I'm, you know, got radiation in February, um, but I'm, you know, no more chemo and cancer free. Fingers that's crossed. That's great. Well, that's really good. Yeah. But that's a massive, that's such a big story. Like, yeah. The way it all happened. It happened so quickly. Literally. It was... Yeah. And right before you're about to go 
yeah. overseas too. So I had yeah. to cancel that, which yeah. was hard work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, full on. Okay, so now that we've gone through the story and the diagnosis, I have a few questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one that I want to go through, which I know is super confronting, but I feel like as a female, it's probably such a big topic and maybe something that needs to have like dialogue around a bit more is the hair loss because I feel like that's such a big thing. Mm. Like as a female, you know, we spend so much time and effort on our hair, getting our hair done, doing our hair for special occasions. And I think as females, we tie it so much to our identity that I remember us discussing it and I remember you saying that it was like, I remember the doctor saying it was 100% going to happen and it was very confronting for you. Yeah. Um, so I just want to know like how you went with that and yeah. Yeah. Well, look, there are options for women now when you do chemo, they're called cold caps and there's a chance that your hair could stay on. And, you know, with the chemotherapy that I did, obviously coming into this, that was the last thing I wanted to lose was my hair. Like, I didn't want to look sick. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to do this and yeah. not look like a cancer patient. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of reasons why you don't want to look sick. First of all, you don't like your family and your friends looking at you like, you know, you're going through this awful thing, even yeah. though they would know. But it's a little bit confronting for them too. Yeah. And the staring that you get from other people is a bit much as well because you know that you have cancer. You don't need other people reminding so you. Point it out or do that, that whole you have like, it. look of uh, guilt or shame or 100%. whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So in my case, even if I did the cold cap, there was still going to be or 100% chance I was going to lose my hair. Yeah. So, and I, from what I experienced watching other women do it, they were like a little bit, you know, ill. They were... Uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah, and I just thought, you know, I made the right option. Yeah. Because I didn't want to, you know, do it in the end. And I thought I was just going to brave it. Um... The actual process of losing your hair is unlike any other experience that I've ever had. Um, Because when I had my first treatment, my hair wasn't thinning. And I honestly thought I was going to be the only woman to not lose my hair with this type of chemo. (laughs) I feel like that's a normal. I feel like that would be a super common experience. 100%. I don't feel like it's just you. I feel like everyone goes through that stage of, no, no, it's not going to be the same for me. And then... Yeah. Yeah. So coming up to my second, I told my doctor, you know, nothing's happened. And they kind of were like, yeah, give it tonight and it will happen like this weekend. Yeah, so it, brace it for it. It was Friday, didn't it? Yeah. Literally. So I always did my chemos on a Thursday. And literally Friday night, it started to thin out. By Saturday, it was like coming out in clumps. Because it does it really quickly, oh, doesn't it? It's not ridiculous. like... So I think too with hair loss, people assume with any type of hair loss, it happens like slowly over time. But I guess yeah. with the chemo, when you said like it was basically it just like a couple of days. It just like snaps off. That's how I yeah. can explain it. It just... There is no warning for it. It just kind of snaps off. And it's not like a little hair here and there. I'm talking clumps of hair. Yeah. Which and is the best way... Yeah. yeah. The best way I can explain it is if anyone has seen um, that movie with the witches, what's it called? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. It's got like four witches and they're high school girls. Anyway, if anyone's seen that movie, 
Um, one of the witches yeah. kind of wants her bully to lose her hair, right? Uh. And there is a scene in that movie where she's in the uh, shower at school and she's like pulling out her hair and she's crying oh in the gosh. shower, right? Yeah. That is the best representation of what I went through. Okay. Yeah, that's the only way yeah. I can compare it to like anything. Yeah. It was literally coming out in clumps and I was sitting in the shower like bawling my eyes out. Yeah, of course. You know, my husband was kind of coming in and trying to grab as much hair as he possibly can so I didn't have to see it. It was just really confronting. Yeah. But, you know, once I kind of made the decision, I'm just going to shave it off, this is just too traumatising. Yeah. Um, And I did it with my entire family and they all had a go at shaving it. Have you got that video on Instagram still? Was that a post Um, or... Was that a story? I think I put it in my story. Okay. Um, and look, I was smiling in the photos. I was definitely not smiling on the night. Like I was, you know, upset. But once, you know, we did the shave, it's just one thing. It's just, I thought it was just this hurdle that I had to overcome. Yeah. That's how I looked at it as. I think too, it's when you make that decision between like, so you're losing the hair, that sort of, you can't control that, it's coming out. But when you choose to shave it, it becomes like a choice. That's that right. makes sense. You, you sort yes. of take control of it, which I think would have been, I mean, given the circumstances, it's the only thing you could do, but it worked. Like, yeah. like you said, you felt better. And then I remember you saying too, we had a discussion, I wanted to go over it about, because I know that you've got a wig. Yeah. But, and you, we had a conversation one day and you were saying how it felt more freeing to not have it on. I felt like yes. that was really good. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like with some ladies that might be an issue as well because they can be uncomfortable, can't they, the wigs? So anyone that's experiencing chemo or cancer, um, so I'm taking something called Zolodex and it's basically closing my ovaries, which means I'm going through menopause right now. Yeah. And I have heat flashes constantly. So anyone that is listening to this, that is over 40 going through fucking menopause. I'm so sorry. It's like sex in the city. Literally. Samantha, when she's literally and she's wearing the yes. wig. Oh, so what's that sort it is, of, the, it's, it's the exactly same thing. like that. Okay. Right. That makes sense. So wearing a wig and you're having hot flashes within the elements of just outdoors, it's a lot. Yeah, of course. So yes, when I'm not wearing my wig, I feel a lot more free. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel, you know, it's not as intense. And you feel comfortable without it now too. Like you don't feel like you need to go out and have it on, do you? Sometimes I do. Yeah. Um, Depends on the mood, I should say. Yeah. Sometimes I feeling? do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes when I go to the gym, I don't want people staring at me while I'm trying yeah. to do a workout, like what's yeah. going on with her. Yeah. So sometimes I wear it in certain places that I know either I'm just going to get too many stares and I just really can't be bothered with that. Fair enough. Or, you know, it just depends. Yeah. You know, I just recently went away and I did not wear my wig at all. Yeah. Which would have been nice too because you went to Queensland. So it would have been hot there as well. Exactly. And your wig's long too. So I feel like that's just a lot to have on hot days to take it. Because can you wet it from water from like the beach and that? You've got to be careful with it, Look, you could, but I mean, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I just, I didn't know anyone there. I was comfortable. I can wear it. Not wear it. that's great though. Yeah. Yeah. And did you feel like that was something that you were capable of being like before the hell, you experienced the hair loss? Like, did you think that you were going to wear the wig all the time? Does that make sense? No. When I envisioned 
this process, I would I thought I'm gonna rock a bald head. Oh yeah, yeah, but it suits you though. So that's yeah. kind of where but my head was though. at. Yeah. Um, and I got the wig with the intention. First of all, I'm a school teacher, so I didn't want to wear um, a bald head to work. Uh, and just any time again that I felt uncomfortable, I can just yep. put it on as my safety net. But in my head, I'm like. I don't think I look that bad with a bald head. But it, yeah. yeah, but I think the wigs too, like there's just an op, another option for a yeah. day when you feel like it. Yeah. Okay, so the next question that I want to ask is in terms of the whole, like, because we know now that you're at the end of chemo or so you finish chemo and you're starting radiotherapy in Feb. Yeah. So I do want to know, in terms of your journey, um, what have you found the most challenging and is it what it what you thought it was initially going to be like those challenges were they the same challenges that you anticipated or were they different um there's a few things that are very challenging um first of all the most challenging is the effects that this has on your family and friends yes yeah um especially my parents so um Watching them suffer has been really, really difficult. Because in my head, I'm like, I can, you know, I can do this. This isn't a problem. In my head, this is just something I have to go through and it's done. Yeah. So initially, you just see it from your perspective and it realise, right. yeah. But then you kind of look at everyone else around you that, you know, maybe are masking their feelings sometimes or... Um, just, I think that's the most challenging. It's just looking at your family and seeing everyone around you suffer. And I didn't think, you don't really think about what your journey is going to be like when you get diagnosed. You just kind of want to get through each stage and get to the end. Yeah. So I, you know, everything in this journey is new to me. I don't really know. And it, I didn't you, know how to navigate. And you couldn't anticipate things because you don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people can say, this is what I experienced, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go through that. Right. Everybody's experience is different. Right. So that was the most challenging, I think, is just, you know, seeing everyone around you really suffer from it. Um, and another thing that really, you know, I had a really interesting misconception of chemo. Yeah. It's very glamorized on television. It makes it look like it's something it's not. Yeah. And that was also very challenging. Yeah. So your expectations and what actually happens are very, very different. Do you mean in terms of like the setup of things or like the doctors yeah, the or setup, just everything? Yeah. The side effects. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, um, again, the hair falling out, you know, what it does to your body. Like I wasn't really really sick i can't sit here and you know i know other women are so sick yeah. and vomiting and nauseous and you know i had a pretty okay experience if you think about it because i didn't have any of that the back hand of that is you know i gained about eight kilos yeah and i'm very particular about the way i look yeah of course you know and that was really devastating for me yeah. um my i had ridiculous fluid retention around my ankles and legs that made it really hard to walk oh wow um if i walked sometimes i had really interesting fatigue that i would walk 
10 steps and feel really tired. Yeah. But like real, like my legs were fatigued. It wasn't, I know the difference. This you know what I mean? just like tired from walking or whatever. Yeah. It's literally like you have you no energy left. Yeah. There's nothing. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the feeling of, you know, fatigue to me, I didn't even really understand what the hell that was. Yeah. Who even knows what fatigue is? People say a side effect is fatigue, but I guess until you experience it, right. you never know what it's going to be I would like. drive, you know, when I was doing the hardcore chemo, I would get up in the morning, I would feel drained. I'd feel very unwell. But then I would be in my head, no, I'm just going to keep moving. You know, the doctor tells me to go for a walk or the doctor's told me to, you know, do whatever, keep things normal. I would drive... 10 minutes, 15 minutes to, you know, my sister's house. I could not even get through the door. I was so tired. Oh, wow. And all I had done was get in my car and drive 15 minutes down the road. And that happened that was really it. quickly too, didn't it? Like this wasn't... Absolutely. I mean, how long did you do the hardcore chemo for again? Sorry. I did it for eight weeks. And every fortnight. Every fortnight. So yeah. to think like, say a month in, you're already feeling like that, for yeah. example... To go from being able to like not even realize, you know, how lucky we are to just be able to get up and do those things and not be exhausted to exactly. then having that challenge. Absolutely. I mean, that's... It was intense. level, yeah. Yeah. Like really feeling it. The headaches that I would get, I never, ever get headaches. I never, yeah. you know, I'm not that person and I feel sorry for anyone that does, you know, with their migraines and, you know, it's awful. Um, and that was a huge side effect that I had and I'm not talking the next day I'm talking four or five days later yeah so I would be feeling generally okay and then all of a sudden I was bedridden because my head was killing me and I felt you know I couldn't get out of bed I was so so in so much pain yeah and I've never experienced that before I was gonna say it's not like you were a person who previously had migraines or experienced any chronic fatigue or anything yeah so that was really intense yeah um and just little things like that like I was you know, so thirsty all the time. Doesn't matter how much oh, water yeah. I can drink. I remember you talking about yeah, that. Yeah, so thirsty. My mouth was continuously dry. My lips were continuously dry. Doesn't matter how much water I drank. That would, that's just, it was just like that it permanently. Was the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just little things like that. And, you know, again, t- when I started this, it was kind of like, whatever, man. You know, I'm just going to deal with it. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens. This is all new to me. Like I said, I've never experienced this before. Let's just see what this is. I don't really know. Yeah, just go with it. But those things like that, where it would just like, you know, come out of nowhere. Yeah, Yeah, too. Yeah. You know, um, so random. My toenails, um, and this is a side effect from the Taxol, which I've just finished. You know, I went back to work on this chemo. Yeah. Um, and I worked four days a week and had one day off to do chemotherapy. And then I was back at work That's the next massive. day. massive, yeah. So I kept functioning as a normal person. Yes, I was sore and whatever. I just thought, you know, it's not as bad as the other chemo. At least I can function and walk and whatever. Yep. I was tired, but it is what it is. But about five or six weeks in, I noticed that, and this is really gross, but No, but na- it's a general side effect. Yeah. So, yeah. My nails started to... Um, get like pussy and I was like oh that's weird what the hell is this like yeah. this is just another thing to add to the drama of what's going on right yeah. um anyway so and I was like oh this must just be 
I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I was, did not think it was from the cancer or whatever. Or the chemo, sorry. Yeah. So I went to the doctors, you know, when I had my going in for chemo, you have to check up with your oncologist every couple of weeks. So I kind of was like, oh, this is a bit embarrassing, but I don't know if this has got anything to do with what's going on, but I've yeah, got... Yeah, but would you, like, you know, you're like, you've never yeah. experienced it before, right. so you can be like, oh, that's right, this was going to happen. Right. Yeah. So my nurse and doctor were pretty much straight on to it. This is a side effect of Taxol. Your nail buds, your nails will get lifted off the nail bud. Oh, yeah, so okay. that all the, everything, you know, Watch you're walking, whatever, whatever gets, stuck. gets stuck underneath it yeah. and it creates an infection. Oh, okay. So I have that or had that. It's all starting oh, to get better now. Yeah. yeah. I have that or had that in my two like big toes um, and a couple of, you know, in my nails especially got really sore and tender. And if you take my nail polish off, you can actually see that it's black underneath because in some cases your nail actually falls off. It hasn't on oh, my case yet. Okay. But I had to like, that was just a whole nother process now. You know, I have to now soak my feet. Yeah. Every night after work. Yeah. Just things like that. Yeah. You just can't, yeah, it's very, so you, you can't, can't even. Anticipate it. You yeah. just have to go with it. Yeah. Okay, so the next question is a really big one and a really personal one. But I think, again, that this is something that's really important in discussing, I think, how any sort of, you know, I've spoken a lot about grief in this podcast, but not just grief, but any sort of experience like the, what you're going through um, or tragedy, how it affects our direction in life. Mm-hmm. And I know with you, when you first got diagnosed, like you said, you're about to go on your honeymoon. And I also um, know that, as you said, you're taking that drug that turns your ovaries off, which obviously means that it changes the timeline of when you can have kids and everything. So obviously your life's taken a different direction. And I do want to ask how you've managed that. Like, how have you, how have you been able to cope with it? Because I think that's the hardest thing when we go through anything like massive in our lives, it changes our perception of what we expected to happen and what we thought, you know, like, like you said, you know, you just got married, you're just about to go on your honeymoon and then this comes up. Like, how do you, how do you deal with all of that? So, I mean, I have always been very, I plan everything very to the T. Yeah, That's the how I've always been. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can foresee the next five years because I've planned it that way. Yeah. So before my diagnosis, it was like, we're going to go on our honeymoon. We're going to come back. Um, I had an opportunity to kind of step up at my job. So I was going to do that. I was hopefully going to get a job promotion and then I was going to have children. That's how the timeline went for me. Yeah, of course. Um, We had all these fantastic plans put in place. So for me, it's been really a struggle to be able to just be like, oh, okay, now I've got cancer. Everything changes now. What the hell do I do with that sort of thing? Um, And yeah, with... So when I finish radiation, it doesn't end there. I have to take, uh, it's called tamoxifen, and it's, um, it's like to help with my hormones because my cancer was hormone-related. Yeah. And with this particular medication, I cannot have children for five years. So that's the a minimum big, yeah. is five years. Of course. So when I have kids, I'm yeah. back on these same tablets. Like, oh, I again. didn't realise. So once yeah. you have kids, you have to go back on them. Yeah, yeah. So once you've had 
you have to go back in between kids or just as soon as you finished like just as soon as i finished having children okay yeah i it's like one of those things you have to be on them for the rest of your life that's what how the doctor kind of put it yeah um and the minimum like i said is five years so when you hear that i mean to me when i heard that initially that was like another blow in this situation of course because like I'll be said, 32, there's a lot more, yeah. yeah, you have plans, there's a lot more risks. You think about, you know, like everyone thinks about, you shit, having a kid in their 30s. Yeah. You know, there's so many more complications. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right? I mean, and also it's also the stuff that's portrayed to us too, where there's kind of right. that push to like... 100%. It's also what we're surrounded with as well. Yeah. But and everyone still, else is having kids. But it's also about when you're ready. You know? And obviously you felt like you were getting closer to the point where yeah. you were. And then now this has obviously changed, changed that. that. Right. Um, so that was really hard to take. So when I um, came home and I said to my husband, you know, this is what they've said. Um, how He actually changed my mindset, which is... Well, what kind nice. of got me through it, Yeah. Um, to be honest. Because his initial, he said, you know, I'm shattered, but now we have five years to set up our life how we want it. And that's kind of a great way to think about it. And it does offer people who are feeling the same way and having the same like challenges and having that thing with their directions changed, it gives them a different perspective. So 100%. I think that's a great way to think about it, to be honest. Well, yeah, yeah. because, you know, we aren't set up. We do not have a house just yet. Yeah, of course. You know, that's something that we're going to be um, looking into next year. Um, I felt like we hadn't really experienced the world yet. So, you know, holidaying for me is so important. Now I get to do that for five years. You know, I get to see the things that I didn't think I was going to be able to. Um, You know, we get to kind of financially set ourselves up, which is something that, when I look back at it now, God, I was in such a rush to get it all done. You yeah. know, before I was diagnosed, it was, you were such, in such a rush to get married, get a house, have a child, settle down. We forget to just experience the things as we, exactly. as we have them, yeah, be in the moment. Yeah. Because we're so, we're always forward thinking, we're always planning ahead. Yeah. And, you know, I get this time now with just Pat and I, yeah. which I think is really important i get five years just with him which is lovely and it's an amazing way to think about it i yeah. think that's really inspiring too because like i said it is anytime anything happens it, i mean even day to day when things don't don't go your way you know yeah. as you plan it's frustrating yeah. so i think that's like honestly i i think this would be the favorite part of everything that we discussed because it really it does and it goes to show too that no matter what you go through your mindset gives you the power to sort Absolutely. of cope with it and handle it yeah and I think that's amazing. Well, that's I think on Pat too, yeah. 100%. And it gives you a whole different perspective. Yeah, okay, that's um, really, you know, unfortunate. But as soon as you twist things and look at it from a different perspective, like, hey, actually, we can save for five years, set ourselves up. Wow, that just opens up like a whole different. Now I'm thinking of, oh, okay, I can plan a holiday every year. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of now, you know, and that's really something special. And I think, too, when we respond to situations like this with an open mind, with a different perspective, it builds on our inner strength, I reckon. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like now, after going through this and having some of the toughest challenges that I think 
we could possibly face, you probably feel like, too, you can handle anything. So yes, yes. I know you, yep. you. I know that you did get the job promotion. <laughs> but I was just saying, like, yep. if you didn't, for example, your mindset would probably be a, di- a lot different now compared to what it was before if you didn't get the job, for example, if you hadn't experienced this. Because now you've gone through so much and you've come out with a different perspective. You've got that inner strength that other issues probably don't seem as big or you handle them better. Yep. Do you know what I mean? There's also that as yep. well. And another thing, you know, when you are told you have cancer, there are no other options. Yeah. Like, you have to work with it. You just yeah. need to do whatever you need to do to get to the end of the line. Yeah. That, that is the bottom line. Yeah. You know, there is no, uh, I'll just take a break for cancer from cancer for a month and yeah. then I'll get back to it later on. Yeah, of course. No, you've got it. This is what you have to do. This is a treatment. There is no other option. So you have to learn very quickly to just accept it for what it is. And be in that moment, I guess, too. It forces you to be where you are right now because you have to deal with it at this point. Like you said, you can't push it forward. You can't tell it, you know, you're going to deal with it in a month. You have to deal with it as it is right now. Yeah. Okay, so I know we just touched on this in the previous discussion, but I did want to go over again. How has your mindset changed and do the same things matter to you now that did before this journey? Um, like, do you stress over the same things? Do you get upset over the same things? Do you value things differently? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how has that changed since going through cancer, chemo, everything? So, I think I don't want to waste my time anymore. That was the biggest thing that, you know, when I got out of it and I spoke to um as a psychologist for a little bit about you know what i was feeling that was the overlining thing that came out yeah in every you know time we spoke was that i just don't want to waste my time anymore you know being upset about things that i shouldn't yeah you know work wise um so i'm really going to try and and not do that this year um and bring it home um i want to you know again, holiday and and experience things that I've never done before because you just never know when your time is up. And that's the thing too. Um, I feel like like both your experience and mine seeing everything with with Pat pass away and everything, my brother, not not your Pat, um, I think it just takes away that misconception that we are going to live to 80 Yes. Do you know what I mean? We come at that aspect. Yes. Like yeah. that's my thing when I see people now and I see them working really hard and I think that's amazing, but then they work so hard that they forget about everything else and they work really hard to be in a p- better position in 10 years. I'm like, that's the thing. You're not guaranteed to get to that 10th year or 11th right. year. Yeah. Um, so I definitely understand because even through just seeing everything my brother went through, I learned that and realized that, you know, the only time we have is now. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't want to waste my time with people that don't matter. Oh, uh, yep. Um, have you felt like that's changed? Like, have you created different yes. boundaries to before? And yeah, I, yeah. I just, I can't explain to you because I just, I need to, yeah. We'll just see how this year goes. Yeah, basically. and two, it's also personal relationships yeah. you're talking about. But it's good to see, do you think, okay, this is probably a better way to frame it. Do you think you've got stronger boundaries now? Yes. You put up with less, obviously. So basically, when I got diagnosed, when I met my chemo nurse, she said to me, 
you need to keep everything normal in your life. That's how you're going to get through it. Yeah. And she said, you need your A-team. And when I thought about, fuck, A-team, what, who is that, right? Which is another mindset change because we don't really think about that, do we? Like, no, because we don't think who would really cancer is a emotional and mental thing more than a physical one. Okay, because you need to. That's, you know what? I actually never thought about that. It is. It's when a game. You think of cancer, you think of physical. Like, you right. don't really think about. It I mean, is there's a game. mental aspect, definitely. Yes. But the way you just put that where it's more mental than it is physical is such a different perspective for yeah. me. Yeah. Because if you. If you. Like, I know that when I went through chemo, the days that I felt negative and sad, I felt like crap. Yeah, and that's but the days that I felt more positive yeah. and, you know, was up and about, I felt better. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So when she said, pick your A-team, I really thought, okay, well, who came to my house the day I was diagnosed? Who did I call? Because they are my A-team. Yeah. They are the people that I will go to if I want to cry, if I want a moment, if I want to... And they know who they are. Yeah. And... Whoever else is outside of that, to me, I'm not going to give you the time of day. And that's fair. And enough. that's not, you know, I love that's you. That's not a bad thing, but though. I just, when it comes to this situation, I don't think if you're a B person, I'll call them, you're not <laughs> yeah. mature enough to understand what this is like because you have not checked in, you have not really messaged, you know, you're not mature enough to handle this situation. And that's fine. And some people are not at that level of awareness. Yeah. And you know what? For some people, like I realized with Pat, some people just can't handle it. Yeah. It's not a situation of, you know, that they're bad people or they have bad intentions. But I think it's just some people just as simple as that. They can't cope. They can't yeah. deal. They don't know how to and they don't. Yeah. And I just, yeah. But I will also, make... Yeah. You can't take that on either. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... That's creating that boundary, you know. Yeah. And everyone talks about... You know, whoever's seen me, whatever, you know, they bring it up and that's fine. I will not delve into too much with that person because you are not, you are not my A-team. Does that make sense? Yeah. And previously would have that been, would that have been different? Like, yeah, before? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an open book, as you are aware. Yeah. Lucky, because um, it's going to yeah. be for a great podcast. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm very open. I will tell people everything about my life. I don't keep anything in. You know, but now, you know, not that cancer and this situation is personal to me, but I feel like I'm not going to give you the full me in this case because you're only asking me just to ask me. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. You're not really sense. asking me because you generally care about what, you know, what I'm thinking or feeling. Because you wouldn't know because you're not a part of my 18. They ask more out of um, that feeling like they feel guilty if they don't, like they need right. to as opposed to because they genuinely want to know how you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, with friends though, I don't, I don't see that as a priority to me. Like that wasn't the be all and end all before my diagnosis anyway. Yeah. I just know who I can rely on now, yep. which has opened my eyes a yep. lot more. That's it. But, you know, things like I'd have a stressful day at work and it would, I'd be so upset about things that happened and now I look at it like, why? Why, was I stressing? why the yeah. hell was I upset about I that? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know, like it, it's little things like that that I look at now and I'm like, I really just want, you know, 
for the next however many years I have on this earth, whatever it is, because you don't really know, you know, I want to live my life to the absolute fullest. And be authentic about it. I think that's the whole thing coming through with boundaries and everything. And in terms of gratefulness, like are you grateful for things now that you probably weren't before, like little things, moments? Yeah, so um, I really am just grateful to – I really often think about how this situation could have been worse. I think about that all the time. You know, I think about how this could have been stage four and I could have – you know, it could have been everywhere and how different my life would have been then – and I look about, look, you know, I really think about how um, this has tested my faith. Of course. And how, you know, when you get diagnosed, you really, I mean, that's, that's your first thought. Like, fuck God, he's done this to me. How could he do this to me? Of course. You know, you really think about shit like that all the time. And that's what I did for the like first the couple of weeks. Grief too. Yeah, the anger. Yeah. It's like a mix of anger and denial, you know, like this can't happen to me. Why is it happening to me? Absolutely. So I, you know, went away for a week just after I got diagnosed and had my first surgery. And I thought I'm going to, you know, I'm going to twist this in a way of um, God has been there. I'm going to start crying. That's okay. God has been there with me in the good news that I've gotten. Of course. You know, like. I could have been a lot worse, like I just said. And, you know, I could have had the worst cancer because there's four different types that I didn't even know about. And I had the best out of a shit situation. Yep. You know, I had the opportunity to have this surgery and be told that I was cancer-free from my surgery. Yeah. And that I'm doing chemo just as a preventative. Who gets those chances? I've spoken to heaps of women and they... Some of them don't get those opportunities and I did. So I think about that all the time that how, you know, I was chosen to live still when other people aren't. That's really beautiful though. And I am so grateful for that, that I got to live and other people don't. Of course. Um, And that's seriously like, that's what gets me through a lot because I think about that all the time. But then to think too, the fact that, you know, I find that so baffling that, you know, gratefulness comes out in such big tragedies. I feel like that's a huge thing, you know, because most people just assume that, you know, when something difficult happens, we spend most of our time angry and fighting and, you know, and I think it's really fantastic that you've been able to spend your time feeling grateful and finding something to feel grateful about. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I really do. I had a situation, you know, would have been four or five weeks ago where I was sitting in the waiting room to go go in to get my chemo and a lady came in and she was crying. She was bawling her eyes out. It was just her and I and I I couldn't help myself. I, You know, that's what you do. We're all in this together. And I asked her, you know, are you okay? What's wrong? And she turned to me and said, my chemo isn't working. They don't know what else I can do and it like wow yeah you know my chemo is working I'm going to be okay this poor woman is not going to be okay you know and that's what I thought about all the time as well like this is I'm getting this opportunity It's, it's just crazy and you know that's what I'm grateful about that you know 
I get to see the back end of this and I get my second chance and I just don't want to waste my time, whatever that means. Exactly. No, I agree. I can definitely relate to that. I definitely felt similar ways after Pat passed away, I think. And it's that same sort of feeling of why do I stay or why am I surviving when other people don't? And I think the thing is that's not a question that we can answer. You know, that's not, that's not something we can answer. We yeah. don't know why someone survives and someone else doesn't if they have the same cancer or they're doing the same treatment. You don't know. Absolutely. I think it's just a matter of choosing our perspective. And I think if we can choose to be grateful for, like you said, the opportunity that we have and the fact, you know, the only way I can think of it is, well, I'm still here. So I choose to be grateful about that and I choose to, you know, live my life and honor my brother. And I think that's important that we learn to develop that perspective and that mindset and be honest and open about it. Yeah. Because sometimes people would get confused. Like, how can you be grateful when something so difficult is happening? But it's a and choice. And people question that it's a choice. all the time with yeah. me. Like... Yeah, you know, that's what I they mean. They did. They questioned, oh, you know, how could you be so happy? How could you be? Yeah. Well, hang on a minute. Like, I know there is a girl that's, oh, I think she's 12 or 13, not going to say her name, who's got another type of cancer, who's done 60 rounds of chemo. Yeah. And I look at her and I think, I only had to do 16 rounds of chemo. Of course. You know, I know another person that's 28, you know, he's going, he's got a different type of cancer. He has to stay in hospital for a whole week when he does his chemo and he won't be finished till July. I got 16 rounds of chemotherapy. That was it. Yeah. You know, I, you know, get to see the back end of this, like I just said. And that's, you know, to me, I'm like, there's other people that are in such worse situations than I am. Why am I complaining? That's kind of what I thought of it as. You know what I'm saying? And I think people are surprised because until they go through that, they think that they would be like, you know, anyone that thinks that they're going to go through something like you can't fathom going through something until you go through it. But for example, if I felt like I was in your position, like I know I've looked at you and been like, oh, you're so inspiring. How are you doing this? Because I feel like if it was me, I'd probably be really shitty, be really over it. But I guess until you're in that position and you actually have things stripped away from you and those important things, you know, I think too... With your cancer and with the experience, it forces you to, to see things differently and it gives you that thing of what's really important and what's not. It makes you see that. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you get to that point, like for example, before you know, before you did the chemo, before you knew what exactly what was going on, you don't know whether you're going to live or the situation or, or what, what the thing is. And it actually makes everything that's not necessary fall away. Yeah. And the only things you have left are the things that are most important to you. Exactly. Your family, your friends, your, and your attitude. Yeah. So I think that's... Absolutely. Definitely such an interesting perspective. But I think it's fantastic that you've been able to... Even just hearing that, it's... Yeah, I think it's just got me a bit mind blown. <laughs> yeah, like, well... Yeah. It's true. That's great. Okay, so the next question that I have, because I have so many, <laughs> is, <laughs> I really do, is um, how did your relationships change through this? Mm. So parents, I know you've, so oh, we, I know you've got two sisters. Yeah, so we just spoke about the A team and, and they know who they are and they've been out of control amazing. And, you know, that's when I see those certain people, hugs and kisses and embraces and conversations are so much better and so much more intense and we actually have great you know we're really connected and you're not this. afraid to say whatever you need to say yeah and yeah in a good way i mean you know as well we have really great intense conversations and they're not bullshit conversations yeah. they're real ones that you have with yeah, each other yeah 
So that is, you know, I has been amazing to see. Like the relationships that I have, like I said, with my friends that are closest to me, we really appreciate our time, I think, with each other yes. a lot more. Um, and the same thing with, you know, I do have two sisters and my mum and dad who, and my brother-in-laws as well. You know, they, they have been at every single appointment. They've been, you know, soldiers. Yeah, it's amazing to it, see how people step up. 100%. And, you know, my sister, Bianca, I hope you hear this, Bianca. <laughs> um, she, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> um, she has this incredible attitude on life and she's always been that way. And sometimes before this, I would just brush it off like, oh, just Bianca, you know. You know, if you say, I've got a headache, I don't feel well, Bianca's always the type to, oh, what's your problem? Like, you know, yeah. you're not dying, Alana, you feel fine. And that attitude used to really irritate me before I got diagnosed. <laughs> um, but then, you know, you get diagnosed and you appreciate, like, you know, every bad thing that happened she always turned around and was like oh who cares Alana you're gonna do this and you're gonna do this and it's done yeah. you know you're gonna lose your hair who cares we're gonna do this part and it will be done yeah or you know and I needed that I needed somebody to just give that spin like it's oh it's not a big deal we'll get through it and it's done yeah that's you know what I mean nice though. I really like that yeah and I you know I needed that constantly and I know that Bianca and Monique did a lot of background work with my parents to try and get them through, you know, this without me there and that needed to happen and I, you know, I couldn't have, I could not have done it without them just absolutely being my, you know, soldiers and rooting for me the whole time, um, you know, and it's little things that I'll remember when I look back at this situation, like, you know, my mum... And she'll laugh about this <laughs> because I always bring this up to her. But um, when I was in hospital for my surgery, I couldn't really walk or, or do much. And I was trying to because, you know, Bianca, the way she is. <laughs> it's a good balance. I mean, like, get up, get up, get up. You got Bianca <laughs> and then you got your mom who's like, yeah. leave her yeah. yeah. Um Best So, yeah. So mum kind of said, like, let's let's get you to have a shower, you know, let's get you up and let's get you to have a shower. And I said, you know, I don't think like, you know, I'm too in too much pain. I don't think I can. And it was kind of like, get the fuck up. We're going to, yeah, we're going to do this. I'm like, all right. So I was sitting down on this chair and I was in the shower in the hospital and I actually was just debilitated. Like I couldn't move. It was just like, whatever, mum, like do whatever. So here I am 27 I'm stark naked, sitting on this chair in this shower, and my mum is washing me. Yeah. You know, my mum is soap and fucking towel, washing me, whatever. And I just thought, this is just one of those moments that I'm going to remember. Like, here we are. Yeah. It's humbling. Your daughter. It's confronting. Yeah. It's that whole thing. It never, and I just yeah. instantly thought, like, this just never ends. Like, you're always going to be a parent. I think it's true. It's the things that you do for love. I think it's family, it's love. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's like when your mom gets older, like you're going to do whatever she needs to Absolutely. help her. It's going to be, but I see what you're saying about always being a parent. Yeah. And, you know, I'll remember that. 
I'll remember that moment forever. Like that you washed me and put me in clothes and, you know, just little things like that. My mum didn't really speak to me much in the hospital, but just her presence and having her next to my bed was... You know, it was just, you know, it's exactly yeah. what I needed. I didn't need to say anything. She was there. It's deep in and the it, relationship. Yeah. It's brought it to another level. And I think too, when you go through these things, there's no, there's no shame. There's no, you know, like, you know, like as kids, when your parents like, no, your mom or whatever, like you're coming out of the shower or they come in to get something and you're like, I'm in the shower, don't look. And then yeah. your mom's always like, it's something I haven't seen before. Yeah. It's that kind of situation where you do what you got to do. Yeah. And so you're sitting there and you have to, you, you need help. Yeah. So it's that humbling experience. It's deepening that connection, that relationship. Yeah. It's bringing it to another level of realizing that no matter what, that you, she'll be there for you. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, Mimik as well, she really had my back she like went to heaps of appointments and sat there with me and you know I I can't thank them enough and our relationships are so much more important and you know Monique on New Year's Eve like we she just kept kissing me and hugging me and you look at that and you're like wow like we've come such a long way and we can't look at this experience as a negative no. You know? I, yeah. Because we are so much closer from this. And those tiny moments, being able to just have a conversation, make, makes such a difference now when you're appreciating it and knowing yeah. that you don't take it for granted. Yeah. I mean, I remember I had someone ask me a really good question where they said, if you had one more day with your brother, what would you do? And I said to them, I would sit there, watch a movie and just have one of those really funny yeah. conversations that we used to have. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And I think... The situ- I think... A positive that comes out of this, which some people think it sounds crazy, but I know the time that I got with my brother, I was super grateful because I was always present. And I said to people, you know, I was really grateful that when we had breakfast, I wasn't sitting on my phone. I was sitting there talking to him. Or when we had moments, I was really there and I wasn't afraid to have deep conversations with him about serious things. And I think you guys are fortunate that you've had this experience. You're still here, but then you still get the benefit of knowing that. Yeah. There's still, do you know what I mean? Like kissing and hugging someone is such a beautiful moment when we're just aware and appreciate it and yeah. know that it doesn't last forever. Yeah. And it sounds like your sisters and your well, family and everyone. Absolutely. I think we're that. all, you know, even Pat as well, you know, we have, we literally have lived out our vows. That's, that's for yeah. sure. Like we literally got married, said our vows and then lived sickness and health Together. a month later, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and how he's spun things to make me positive. You just, you just couldn't even imagine. And I'm, I'm sure he really struggled and how, you know, at the end of the day, I know what he's feeling and I know that his whole thing was he just wanted to take this away from me. And that's the thing. As a person who's seen someone go through it as well and a family member go through it too, I think it's a helplessness, how you say it. Not being able to help. You can't do anything. You can't change it. And I remember saying to you, I know for a fact, like your sisters will do anything to be able to change the situation. Absolutely. You know, swap places. They will do anything to be able to help you more. And the thing is, when you you can't change that thing, you struggle. Like it's really difficult as a carer, as a parent, as a sibling I mean, I can't imagine as a parent that would just be mind-blowing. But as a sibling and as a, as a carer, I can see yeah. how difficult that is because you can't help in the way that you want to help. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's, like I said, I think looking at it now, 
and I'm sure we'll look at it in six months time, seven months time, whatever. And looking at this situation now, you know, again, I can't look at it as a negative. The way we interact with each other, the way we hug each other, the way, you know, my dad will call me every second day, every day. You know, oh, that's so nice. These relationships yeah. are hi. different. Yeah. yeah, they're not that's beautiful. You know, we'll just speak when we speak. They're not. You know, I used to say all the time to people, I oh, yeah, I'm really close to my sisters, but far out. Like I'm was Change. not even on the money at all, to yeah. be honest. Like now, okay, when I say I'm close with my sisters, I'm fucking close with my sisters. Yeah. Like we have been through this horrible situation. Very intense. Where we all held it together. We, you know, none of us really cried in front of each other. It was just like business. Like, we got to do this. We got to do yeah. this. We need I'm to get to the you. line. Yeah. We need to get this done. Something we need you to be you. better. That yeah. was it. Yeah. It's that inner strength, that faith, that spirituality. There's so many things that kick in that are like, no, this isn't about us being upset. It's about doing what we can to help the person that we love. Yeah. And that sounds like that's where they've come from, to be honest. Yep. And yeah. That's the end of that one. So the next question I have is, uh, I always say it's another big one, but I feel like they're all massive, is what advice would you give to others facing a huge change in their lives, whether it's through cancer or whether it's through any other tragedy, what advice would you give them to help them pull through, to get, help them remind them to have a better mindset or to, you know? Um, I mean, with cancer, um, like I said before, you don't have a choice. And I think accepting what's happened early on is very important. You know, you have to just accept the journey that you're on. Yeah. And, you know, even though my mum hates this, but um, lots of people, when you get diagnosed, they talk about the journey, the journey that you're on, the journey, the journey, the journey. And literally, it is the journey. It's, you know, it's something that you have to go through. Yeah. You know, whether you like it or not, you have to kind of go through it. And I think the number one thing to do is accept what's happening and what you're about to go through. And, you know, with acceptance, it means literally whatever happens, whatever your go body goes flow. through, just go with the flow. Allow it as yeah. opposed to trying to fight it because sometimes we spend more energy trying to resist it than absolutely we you know accepting it when my first chemo i remember i was so nervous going in for my first chemo and i just thought there was one point where i just thought oh, you know fuck it whatever whatever this is i'll just deal with it and as soon as i thought that in my head you know the the pain of it or the how i was feeling really was minuscule in comparison to you know what it really what it really is. Does that yep. make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, it was just, all right, Alana, like whatever it is, it is. Just yep. deal and with it. And you handle it. That's yep. the thing. That's really interesting that you brought that up because I was reading a book called um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways. Yeah. And she said that one of the best things to tell yourself is you'll handle it. Yeah. Because she said when you do that, you build an inner strength. Yeah. And also our biggest fear when it comes down to it, with all the different fears that we have is that fact that we are scared that we won't be able to cope. Yeah. So if someone said to you, yeah, you're going to do chemo, but you know what? It's actually going to be fine. You're going to handle it. You're going to be all good. Like, like Bianca does. I yeah. think that's what it is with Bianca too. She kind of says, sorry, that's Alana's sister, just to clarify one of her sisters. The fact that she's always like, you're going to handle it. You're going to yeah. do this and you're going to handle it. 
maybe that's what it is. You fear yeah. it less because, you know. Absolutely. You, someone's turning around saying, no, you're going to make it to the other end. I know you are. And it's that confidence that you get, like I said, that inner strength. I want to make it clear as well that before I started chemo, the oncologist said to me, because I was young, and I want to make this a point, they said that the chemo that I was on, the hardcore chemo, because I was young, I'd actually feel worse. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, they did say older women yeah. normally take it better than younger women. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I did not know that either. Yeah. So again, my anxiety was through the roof starting this treatment because I was like, I'm going to be horrible. Yeah. I'm going to well, feel you that everything, you that whatever too. that is. I'm yeah. going to feel it all, right? Because they literally write down 10 side effects that you'll get and you can get all 10 or you can get two or three, but that's what they write down. And all the side effects on paper look absolutely insane, you of know? Course. Weight, lo- weight loss, weight loss, weight gain, vomiting, nausea, yeah. fatigue, uh, constipation. Like it just, it was this massive list and you're like, gee, how the hell am I going to deal with this for the next eight weeks, you know? Yeah. And I didn't. I got a few side effects. Yeah, I got fatigue. Okay. I got insomnia, which was a new one. Um, I didn't get vomiting. I wasn't really that nauseous. Like y- you have to kind of let go. Yeah. They said 10 effects. They said you were going to be really sick. And I wasn't. Yeah. You know, I just thought to myself, whatever it is, it is. Accept it and then let it go. I also um, made a point of looking at this in stages. Okay. Yeah. So um, in my head, I'm like, all right, stage one was my surgeries. Breaking it into chunks. Yeah. Yeah. So once I'm done with that, then I've got this hardcore chemo for eight weeks. Right, so I was like, all right, let me just get through one hurdle. So I've gone through the surgery and I, you know, had time to, you know, deal with that and my, you know, breasts and trying to get all back into normality a little bit and whatever. Then I was like, all right, by the end of this week, now I'm going to start my eight weeks of treatment and I'll get through the eight weeks and we'll, you know, then I'm on to Taxol, which is better for me. That's yep. kind of how I thought about it. Yeah. It's know? not as bad. So it's one step forward. Oh, right. Sorry. Not as bad. It's not as tough. It's not as, yeah. yeah. So, you know, once I was really done with, it's called AC. Um, that's, it's called AC, the red chemo, or the red devil like it's I've called. I've heard about that. It's very, yeah. very toxic. Anyway, so once I got through those eight weeks and I had this mindset of, well, I've got Taxol now, which is lower dosage, and I get to go back to work. Like what? What was it really? You know what I mean? And like it was only these eight. Yeah, it's only yeah. these eight weeks that I was really unwell. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. So you're saying break it into chunks too. See yeah. it as different phases as opposed to looking at it the all whole five in one go. Right. Yeah. That's definitely. So that's yeah. I kind of really, if you're on this journey, kind of chunk it out a bit. Kind of look at it like. All right, well, we're going to go through phase one, phase two, whatever the phases are. It makes it easier to deal with too because you're not thinking yeah. about dealing with everything at once. And try and put in like little holidays or treat yourself between them so that you know that there's a transition. Like a little reward almost, you know, yes. for saying well done. Like, yeah, taking time out to give yourself self-care and appreciate how much you've gone through and how far you've Absolutely. come. Absolutely. So when I finished uh, the hardcore chemo, they were, we were on school holidays and I said to my husband, I just want to go away. Yeah. And I just want to do what I would want to do 
and that's get massages and sit in a spa and uh, veg out absolutely yeah. do nothing yeah because my body's gone through the ringer and that's what we did we went to um heaven springs there's a amazing um there's like a magnesium bath there oh, and nice. there's a few things that you can do there that Beautiful. is fantastic and i got this amazing massage um from someone there that was it was just amazing and it really zenned me out and i kind of felt like all right now i'm transitioning yep. so i'm transitioning from that chemo to now i'm transitioning into back into work life and with taxol yeah 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 and then you know i said to my husband again when i'm done with taxol we're at the end of the year now i just want to go away you know i want to just do get out of melbourne i don't want to really stay in melbourne for too long because i just feel like Melbourne is hospitals and doctors' yeah, appointments, and I just want to like get away for a couple and, of weeks and like reset, yeah, and start again. So you know, we went away with my family, and we went to Bright, which was really great, and then we went to Ellie's Beach, which was fantastic. Yeah, and it just got me again back to that new transition of now I'm back into the next phase. The next now phase. you're ready for you right. feel as though you're re- you can handle it because you've had that break and you've taken that time out. Absolutely. So yeah. Okay, so now that we're on the topic of the advice that you would like to give, which we just covered, what advice did you get during this process that you found really helpful from others? Okay, so um, the best advice that I got was actually from my nurse. Oh, wow. Um, So I was really lucky that I had a nurse that was, you know, she just got me. She just was on my level. She was... Just, yeah, she wasn't like a nurse or a doctor that was, you know, they give you the doctor spiel and expect you to get it. She was really on my level. She spoke like I did. So I really liked her. And how our first conversation, I remember walking away thinking, this is just going to be easy. I don't know why. I just thought about it straight away. Like, she's made it seem like I'm going to go in there, I'm going to do my time, and I'm going to be out. Yeah. That will be it. And there was a few things that she said, and I have spoken about it already, but she did say, this is a mental game. Yeah. More than a physical one. And I was like, 100%. So I made sure my my mindset was, you know, I walked out of there like, yep, that's what I'm going to do. She said about the A-team. So get people around you that are going to, you know, make you happy and support you. So I walked out of there like, I'm going to do that. She said, keep things as normal as possible. So, you know, there was a lot of people that came up to me that, you know, go on this diet or, you know, yeah. and that was all, that's all fantastic. Well-intentioned, yep. That's fantastic. But I'm 27. I, you know, I've been going to the gym since forever and I've eaten pretty well my whole entire life. I splurge on the weekends. I love food. 80-20. I love 20. food. I always say 80-20, yeah. yeah. But I'm like, a, yeah, I love food. Everyone knows that about me. I love my ice cream. I love, you know, vegging out. That's just my thing. So no one's going to tell me that I can't do that now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course. Um, if that's definitely what makes me happy. If I'm having a shitty day from chemo or whatever, and I'm sad, and I choose to eat a tub of ice cream, I'm going to do it. Because... Yeah. 
that's what makes me happy at the moment. Of course. Yeah. So I'm not going to cut sugar out of my diet. I mean, you're actually joking when you say that. <laughs> you know what? Like you said, you eat well most of the time. Though it's not like right. you're having a tub of ice cream every day. Yeah. But I feel like too, it's that thing of you're not um, limiting yourself. Like right. you're not becoming that to getting to that point where you're like, I can't have right. this because this and this. You're getting anxious about it. You just when you want it, you have it. That's right. And. You know, everyone was like, you know, I met someone and they were like, oh, I just stopped drinking alcohol. I thought that was the best thing for me. I'm like, okay, well, again, I love alcohol. Yeah. I like to have a drink. I mean, I'm not a fucking alcoholic, but I like to go out on the weekends and have some drinks at dinner or have some drinks with friends. So I, you when someone tells that. me, yeah. keep your life normal, well, that's a part of, part of my normal life. I... We'll go out and have some wine or... I mean, I don't think I had gone overboard. And there was, you know, there was moments where I went out and had a few drinks or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I got my standard hangover the next day. And it, whatever, it, it didn't... That was a part of my normal routine, my normal life. It, I wasn't going to change a single thing. At the end of the day, I got cancer because... I actually have a genetic issue. Um, I didn't get cancer because of the sugar I was eating or, you know, I don't eat Maccas every day. Um, I wouldn't even eat, think I have that much sugar every day. I'm not one of those people. I don't smoke anymore. I quit a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I, I exercise. I did not get cancer because I have an ice cream once a week. Yeah. and that's, Let me make that that's very so clear. True. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously. Because yeah. some people have that fear mentality. They're like, oh, it's that, you know, if I eat that one thing, will it affect it? It is. Yeah. And it's scary because they, they do create that mindset for people sometimes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, that was the best advice that I got to keep things absolutely normal uh, because I think if, you're, if you keep things normal, if you keep your life normal, then everyone around you will sort of just kind of be normal. And then this cancer isn't what's bringing you down. Yeah, and it sort of just doesn't take over your whole life. Exactly. Like you don't get stuck in a hole and sort of can't come out. It sort of becomes a part of your life in the sense that you're dealing with it. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, and that to me is very important. Like that, that was the best advice that I got. You know, I got lots of you'll get through it, you know, you're so strong, all of that stuff. And that's great. I mean, absolutely. But to be honest, she was the best advice that I got. So this is probably going to be an interesting um, question and an interesting way to answer it. But I know a lot of the time, you know, especially even me, even though I've seen my brother go through it, even when I see like you go through it, there's always that feeling of what should I say? I don't know what to say. I think um, my suggestion is I'm going to go the opposite say and uh, the opposite way, sorry, and ask what should people not say? Because I think that's what people want to know. What should they not say to you? What's going to make things worse, harder, not helpful? Like, for example, I know with my brother, people used to look at me or look at him and be like, oh, your brain tumor. And they would say, oh, that's horrible and I remember looking at these people like we know mm. and we don't need to hear that yeah. and that's actually really confronting and really uncomfortable and really upsetting for someone to say yeah and I think it's worth people hearing from someone who's going through something what's not to say 
I think that this is an amazing question. <laughs> I can We've hear. spoken about this before. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was like, this, this is, is very yeah. Because if you tell people what to say, they can still say the wrong thing. So this is what not to say. so interesting, <laughs> this journey, when it comes to what not to say to somebody. <laughs> because I've literally heard it all at this some point. Some very interesting stories. Um, where do I even begin? Don't tell um, people how to eat. That, I look, feel like. That Maybe not. Work. I think, <laughs> look, I, that wasn't even the worst part. I think, you know, I'm happy to take everyone's advice on board and, you know, what the hell do I know coming into work? Don't really know anything. Yep. That wasn't yep. that bad. Um, but the amount of times where I would, you know, people would come up to me and they would be like, I just know you're going to get through it. <laughs> I just which, know. which you know what to be fair their intention's good like they're trying but i'm like okay like of course i'm going to get through it what the hell do you mean <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean <laughs> like where are we going with this conversation <laughs> yeah of course i'm going to get through it yeah okay and it's like they have this entitlement like i know like who did you speak to my doctor how do you know <laughs> anyway that was really annoying because i was like okay thanks <laughs> Um, you know, I'll make sure I come to you from now on, um, whoever you are. Uh, that was really frustrating. Um, I suppose everyone has a story of cancer. Um, and that was, and that's, you know, good or bad, everyone has some sort of story. When you are going through cancer, though, let's not talk about all these people that have died yeah, from the cancer that, that you have. We had that one too, yeah. Um, because then I will feel like, well, great, I'm going to fucking die now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the amount of times where I would be like, oh, you know, I'm going through this, I'm going through chemo, I'm, you know, I'm doing really well. Oh, yeah, well, when my friend that died or my family member that died, when they had breast cancer and went through it, they were just so sick. Okay. Let's move on. You clearly, and then it makes you're not you getting like it. You can't be sick because if you're sick, then you're <laughs> going to die. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you feel guilty. Like, okay, yeah. well, I don't. Thanks for making things awkward. Don't ever speak to me again. Yeah. Like, I don't want to know so, about somebody yeah. that died. I think people just don't. Some people aren't aware. Um, someone came up to me not too long ago and said, um, oh, um, I... I he's, he was really happy that you know I finished or whatever, and then I said you know finished I've got radi yeah. yeah I've got radiation, but I'm not really worried about that. He's like, well, you should be because my friend that died when he did radiation, he was so sick, like so sick, and I think that's what killed him in the end. That's the thing. Well, I don't want to say that people are bad, but I do think that people don't think. And then that nervousness kicks in and they don't know what to say and then it ends up worse. Look, but that's definitely, don't say anything. Don't talk about past How about just say, oh yeah, yeah, let's hope your radiation's you going to go it? well. Yeah, you're feeling good about it? Well, that's important. Yeah. And that's it. Because then I was thinking, well, okay, so what? I'm going to die now because of radiation. What the hell are you talking about? This is awkward. Just get away. Yeah. So don't... From me right No old stories, please. <laughs> um... I had a woman as well come up to me at a family event um, and pull me aside and show me her shoulder. Um, she had a melanoma removed and she was telling me that she knew how I was, what I was feeling. Mind you, I just started, I just went yeah. through my double mastectomy. I just started hardcore chemo. The fact that I was even at this event was huge because I was feeling so unwell. 
and she has taken me away to tell me that she got a mole removed that was cancerous. Dot. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah, so it's it's not the same and I think she approached it from, yeah, we're in the same yeah. boat. And Again, great intentions. Yeah. We have two different cancers. You literally have no idea what this feels like or what I'm going through right now. I don't want to be sitting in a bedroom talking about the mole that you had removed. If I could get my mole, my mole removed and that let that be that and have me not go through chemotherapy and, you know, the thought of losing my hair and whatever the case may be, I would choose that. Yeah. If I had to choose a cancer. Yeah, of course. So of course. maybe just, just keep that. Aware. Yeah. Keep yeah. that story to yourself because that's, cool. I'm not really, um, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's not funny, but I think I'm just laughing at like, oh my gosh, it actually just makes me nervous yeah. and uncomfortable even hearing these stories. Yeah. So I can't imagine what it feels like for you to have to yeah. listen to them. Um, not too long ago, I went to get a coffee. Um, and I hadn't gone to this coffee place for oh, a while. Guys, she's told me this story and it's really, anytime you uh, say something, crazy. be really aware that you don't know what is going on right. behind closed doors. I always mm. say that to people. When I see someone, I'm like, I need to remind myself, I don't know what's going on in their lives. So this is why. I am going to get my coffee. I haven't seen her in ages. It's like before I was diagnosed. Um, and she, you know, oh, hi, haven't seen you in ages, blah, 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 blah. Um, how was the wedding? I told her about the wedding. Um, and she says, Oh, you've put on a bit of weight. I'm like, okay. She's like, you're a bit, you know, chubby now. Gosh. I'm like, well, we could have, we could have probably ended it at, you've put on a bit of weight. We probably <laughs> could have ended it there. We didn't have to then follow up with, you're actually a bit chubby now. Um, yes. I'm not going to correct her. I'm not going to say, Hey, actually, I've You're had, nice. I I've gone through chemotherapy. I think I probably would have wanted to create that awareness for it was, her. I actually just started laughing because I was like, oh, wow, like this is so intense. Yeah. Like, wow. The lady that is behind the counter right now at Ferguson Players is telling me that I'm fat. Awesome. Um, what do I do with this? I just started laughing. Yeah, I just said, you know, I've you know we're married ha 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 we're eating You're nice yeah food at home i don't know so but, and then walked yeah. off and thought fuck okay wow but maybe you know just be aware that you don't know what's happening yeah. in someone's life before you make those yes. comments and um not that i wanted to put on weight because i didn't um but you know i did go through chemotherapy and chemotherapy makes you put on weight that's just facts so thank you for letting me know that i was fat i know lady i, I reckon that's so <laughs> horrible but then it goes to show though when people don't think before they speak and how it impacts as well like you're going through so much already i feel like that comment just make could make things harder than it needs to be yeah. and we just need to be aware of the fact again i say it a hundred times but we don't know what's going on with people we shouldn't make those comments absolutely i just think there's no purpose to them either like what's the purpose of it yeah um yeah that's it So we're coming up to the end of the episode and I want to ask two very important questions. I feel like I've got to stop saying that. So the first one is, what have you learned about yourself in the process of this? That's a good one. Yeah, um, I feel like it's, yeah. yeah. You've changed. Like, what have you learned about yourself? Like, how much, you know, you um, learn how much you can handle. When, yeah. So obviously... I look at myself now and I don't want to sound like, you know, 
know, myself or anything like that, but I really am proud of myself. That's the biggest thing that I look back now and I think, you know, you've just, you've just taken cancer on. Like, who the hell does that? You know, like, yeah, of who, you know, and I, I really wanted to make people proud. That was what, you know, I really wanted. I wanted to make, you know, my friends and family, I didn't want them to feel this, if that makes sense. So I really wanted them to be proud of me doing this and them looking at it like, all right, well, you know, she's so strong or she's getting through it or, you know, to be inspired by me, if that That's makes sense. That's definitely happened. Yeah, of course. Um, because, you know, this could have been a completely different situation. I could have been miserable and sad and, you know, and I think I, think I would have lost a few people if I was very negative. I don't know if you would have lost them. I think it's just, you know, I don't, I don't think you would have lost them. I think it just, you gave people the opportunity to be inspired. Yeah. As opposed to yeah, okay, feeling yeah. sad and guilty and upset. And yeah. do you know what I mean? Like when I see you, I think I was more surprised that, yeah, I think it was, it wasn't sad. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like when I saw you, I thought like when, when I heard the news, obviously I was like preparing myself for difficult moments and conversations, but really you've just been like a champ. Like you just, not that the difficult conversations mm. and the tears shouldn't happen, but I definitely thought there was going to be more anger and more like going on there. And yeah. I think that you've, your mindset's just been so amazing and so inspirational. And that's what I've gotten from it. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think you would have lost people. I think people will understand. Yeah. But you've given them the opportunity to see how you right. come out of it. And, yeah. you know, I feel really proud of the person that I am for, for doing that for people and to be able to, you know, experience really a tragedy and, you know, be able to look at it from my perspective and get through on the other side of it, you know. And I, it's, it's a huge thing to go through breast cancer because... You know, I've spoken about this before, but your identity changes and yep. your body changes and you really need to just accept yourself for who you are. I feel like I'm stripped bare at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like I've so really lost all my hair. Way to put it. My eyebrows, lashes, you know, I have my breasts removed. I, you know, have a block in my uterus and I'm, you know, going it's through taking all those key ways that we had to right. identify ourselves as women. Like it's really Absolutely. taking that away. And you're left wondering who you are without everything. Yeah. But the thing is you're still like you're you're amazing. Right. Like And that's the thing. So, you know, the fact that I can see myself, you know, in the mirror or still see myself as first of all, this is Alana, this is who I am. And you know, leave this house every day like it is what it is. I'm still going to be who I am, you be know? Because who you are goes beyond the physical. I 100%. think that's one key point that it sounds like you've learned through this is that you're more than just the out, the external, the physical. And that's so difficult in a culture where Instagram and all different social media Absolutely. and how you play such a big part. Yeah. And then... It, it does. It really affects... Like, I sometimes I think about everything you've been through and think, wow, like, you have. Like you said, you've been stripped bare. Yeah. But then you're still there. Yeah. So it just goes to show that the physical is, again, a mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I just... Yeah, that's the biggest thing, you know. I really... 
Um, could you really, say I'm proud? And you know who you are more? Could you say that now? Because Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I know what my threshold is, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, there is a whole different layer of who I am because of what's happened. The strength, like I said, the strength that you yeah. built up, everything that you've gone through, everything you've yeah. seen. And it takes, you know, everyone says, everyone used to say I was strong before this happened, but we really didn't really know what that was until, well, I didn't know what that was until this happened. You know, I didn't know what strength was in a human being until someone looks you in the eye and says, you've got cancer. Yeah. And you're just, you have to sit with that. You know, I had to sit with that straight away. Like I had my mum next to me who was, you know, broken down. I had to get, you know, I had to tell people that this was happening to me, my family, everyone was distraught. I, there was so many layers to this where I had to be strong and I understood what that meant. And I think too, one thing from everything that you've said today is how much vulnerability is a part of strength. Like, your mum showering you, you, you know, your sister's coming to your appointment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you having to put yourself out there when you're like, like you said, you know, the hair loss, the eyebrows, everything. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much there that's made you, you know, that's made you, like, exposed you in a way. Not exposed you, it's probably not the best word, but again, made you vulnerable. Yeah. Like, you know, you kind of, you, it's, it's tough to go out yeah. like that and to, you know, to learn to be comfortable like that. And I think that's, a huge part of strength that Absolutely. I feel like you've developed because you're just like you are who you are and you yeah. go with the flow and I think that that's that's truly inspiring to me honestly I think that's amazing yeah well yeah I think no one wants to be vulnerable ever and I think that's the biggest one that people try and hide but and you have to because you need the help yeah exactly right when you're in this situation this is that's you just you know, you need to be vulnerable. You need to allow people to help you when they need to help you and you need to help others when you need help others. And it's also about putting yourself out there as you are. Yeah. Like you could, you know, you, like like you said, when you went on holidays, you just went as you were. Yeah. You didn't feel the need to like wear a wig or do anything mm. that sometimes we might feel like we had to if we were going through that experience. And I think that's another thing. Vulnerability is also about stepping out and being who we are for who, you know, yeah. as we are. And I think that that's another thing that sounds like you really yeah I with. yeah like I've been amazing about yeah I don't think that yeah I just yeah I just wanted to inspire that was my whole thing and by I being just wanted yourself yeah, yeah definitely by being true to who I am yeah absolutely and in terms of the future again oh, this is also the last question um, how has this adjusted your future plans and I'm not talking again about the your kids or whatnot i'm talking more in terms of how do you feel you're going to take this journey going forward i know that you had had a few speaking things and you know you're doing this podcast how is this going to play a part in your future so um i've got you know lifeoflana.net and i've also got i'll i'll have links yeah i'm going to post links guys so So check out the description i'll put Um, your instagram and your webpage yeah so uh when i got diagnosed was been within a couple of weeks I kind of I wanted to get this message out there basically about how you know I'm 27 I have no family history of breast cancer you know things like this do happen um and the fact that I have kind of just soldiered on and and I want to be inspiring for not just my friends and family but for lots of women and I want to show them that this can be done 
and it can be done in a positive way and you can get through something like this even as horrid, horrible as it is, you can get through something like this and, and still come out on the other end as yourself. I was just about to say that. You took the yeah. words out of my mouth. Yeah, exactly. I think so, that's the most important thing that no yeah. matter what happens to you, you, you're still you. Like you still have that inner part of you that no matter what you lose, can't touch. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. It'll change that part of you. Obviously, it'll change. It'll grow with everything that you go through. But no amount of what you lose in terms of physical yeah. can, can affect it. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, um, young people are getting sick. Yeah. It is facts. Creating awareness. You know, um, they, when I got diagnosed within the same week, I heard about five or six other stories, all people in their early 30s or late 20s that all had different types of cancers. And you kind of wonder, you know, what is happening in the world for that to be, for, you know, young people to be getting sick so young. And if I can be a you know, the front, the person at the front of this saying, you know, check your breasts, girls, you know, it doesn't matter what, how old you are, you know, look out for those signs. And if I save a few women, I win. And even just offering that support and guidance. Yeah. I think that's such an important part too. Like even some of the key things that you said about going back to routines, doing what you usually do and offering that advice of what not to say in the experiences that you've had, it makes people feel less alone yeah. and less like they're going through it by themselves. Yeah. And like you said, we're all in it together. And especially when you're experiencing something and someone else across the other side of the world might be, yeah. hearing this might help. And that's, I guess, the yeah. changes that you want to make Absolutely. as well and inspire and encourage. And, you know, we all, I feel like um, I took this step forward with, lots of people I didn't do this on my own you know I took this step forward with heaps of people and we have all learnt this lesson we've all gone through this together and you know raising awareness isn't just Alana is raising awareness it's all of us together raising awareness together you know we've all gone through this as a whole yeah you know I'm you know the cent central part of this but all of you people Everyone's around me, we've all experienced it. this. We've all experienced the emotion behind this. We've all experienced what it's like to have someone, you know, go through cancer or... And I think it's important to have people understand, you know, what, it, what, the, what this is, what cancer is. And also, I think too, when you hear the word cancer, it's very intimidating, it's very negative. But so much has come out of your your experience your journey so much has come out of it for your family by everything that you've told us too absolutely and i think that's an important perspective that people need to see as well yeah. where cancer becomes an opportunity for people to change step forward appreciate yes. things inspire there's so many opportunities that are within that that have happened for you and i think that that's a great story to share with people as well because it gives people something else to focus on too i think you know all things considered you know, if I live to be 99 years old and I die in my sleep, the fact that I can sit here and say, I survived breast cancer, I went through chemotherapy, I did that, I went through radiation and got out on the other end and experienced it. I mean, I experienced cancer in my lifetime, you know? I experienced, you know, what, what this actually is, what it's all about. And I think um, if you do experience it, why not share it with other I people? I completely You agree. know what I mean? Like you have so much info. I have so much information at my fingertips about what cancer is, 
you know, and if I never ever get cancer again and this never ever happens again, I think it would be just a waste if I don't, you know, if I don't go out there and, and help other people. And I think you will. And I think it's impossible too to not take everything that you've learned and carry it forward with you. Like yeah. there's something that happens where you just want to share it and move forward. And I think that'll be really good as well. Yeah, absolutely. So check out our website. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't say it for you. Um, check everything out. Is October's that speech going to be? No, the speech isn't up there yet. Okay, so that's the next thing. That that's we the have next to do. thing. Yep. But I've also, you know, October's. Uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Okay. Um, and I've been rocking some pretty awesome t-shirts. Yeah. They're all over my Instagram. Um, so they uh, will hopefully up, be up for sale soon. And especially in October, um, and I know it's ages away, but um, we're going to be doing a lot of projects to, you know, get some money raised for um, October, the month of October um, through the t-shirts and, you know, we've got these booby kits that, you know, um, yep. heaps of got people them, have yep. tagged me in um, that they've checked their breasts and they understand the sun symptoms and it's up in their house and that's awesome as well. And I've had some thoughts about, you know, doing chemo kits for women and having them go out oh, to women that idea. are going through cancer as yep. well. Because um, there's lots of little things that I, routines that I went through to just get me through. Um, so there's lots of projects and things that I want to do and, Mum and I have spoken about a fundraiser in the next couple months. So exciting! Yeah, Yeah. so it's it's yeah. There's lots of things happening through um, life of Lana, and yeah, just add and I will have all the links there. So I have the links to the Instagram and the website there for you as well. And just make sure that you check out her website. She does have an email list too. (laughs) (laughs) I helped her create it. I'm reminding you. Julia's a front runner in all this. Um, Just the background background person. (laughs) That's the other way. All right. But thank you so much for being a part of thank this. Thank you. It sounds weird saying thanks because I see you all the time, but <laughs> not everyone on the blog does on the podcast. Um, but but I think too we'll do another podcast as well yes. with Alana later on to see how Absolutely. after radio, see how everything's adjusted and changed again and go through things. But in the meantime, don't forget, check out her Instagram, check out her website. The links will be down below. And if you want to, don't forget to join her email list. And I'm sure she will Absolutely. send out an email once everything comes, yes. comes about. Yes, <laughs> I'll make her basically. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, everyone.